Man is never so manly as when he feels deeply, acts boldly, and expresses himself with frankness and with fervor. Benjamin Disraeli. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, joined by Perry Hughes as always, and special guest on this episode, Don Ross. Uh, I'll start with you, Don. Welcome to the show. How are you this morning? Hey, thanks, Brett. I'm really good. Glad to be here. Excited to get to chat with you guys today. Yeah, excited to chat with you. And just to sort of set the stage, we are talking about manhood and more specifically how to help initiate our sons into manhood. Uh, an easy topic, I'm sure, that we will fully cover <laughs> and like not miss anything. And you'll know exactly how to help your sons become men by the end of this conversation. No, but we, uh, but I think we are going to hit on some really important stuff, some, some tangible how-tos and practical things to be thinking about. So put that on pause for just a moment, but let me, uh, Perry, ask you, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic, brother. I'm enjoying this crispy, cool weather at the time of recording. It's probably the chilliest morning we've had all year. And, um, it's just a nice change, you know. We were talking about it before we hit record, and yeah, I'm like you, Don. I enjoy the the seasonal change; is always fun. But I could literally live down near the equator and roll board shorts and flip flops every day, and Absolutely. and that would be like that would be great. I, yeah, I really don't know why the Lord hasn't called me to that yet, but you know, I guess He's got a plan someday <laughs> soon. Yeah, yeah maybe. Well, part of part of your bio, Don. So Don is the creator of Manhood Tribes, which we'll talk a little bit about here. Uh, he is a former pastor, has served in different ministry positions for several decades, lives in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. But one of the things I love that it says on your website, which we'll link to in the show notes below, is that you're a beach and a mountains guy. So I think you That's resonate right. with what Perry is saying. Uh, I'm more of the mountain guy, so you're sort of a blend, I guess, between the two of us. Perry, Perry could spend his entire life at the beach, on the uh, you know, on the ocean, on a fishing boat, whatever. He loves that that stuff. So, yeah, I love both. That's one of the things uh, I love about living in the Raleigh uh, area. Is I'm about two and a half hours from the beach, about three hours from the mountains, and so yeah, I mean, it is just the best of both worlds. So yeah, give me a, a boogie board and some waves, or a waterfall to jump into. I'm happy in either place. So yeah, it's great. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and transition and just dive right in. Obviously, this is a this is a topic that our listeners will know Perry and I have talked a lot about. Perry's talked about coming of age trips that he has done with his son. We have gone through at various stages parts of John Eldridge's book, Fathered by God, where he talks about sort of the initiation process, right? Initiating our children, our kids, boys and girls through the different stages of their growth journey. And so, but this is an important time period to sort of settle in. And I would say, men, even if you don't have sons in the age range that we're sort of talking about, like this transition period from childhood to manhood, that's okay. You might at some point in the future. But in this conversation, we are very specifically going to talk about initiating our sons into manhood. It's such a it's such a crucial topic. It's such an important topic. And I would I mean, there's so many questions here, right? I mean, if we're going to initiate our children into manhood, we have to have some sort of an idea or definition of what what the end goal is. Like, what does it look like to be a man? So we'll, we'll talk about that. But let me just ask you sort of, Don, first, did you have anybody in your life, your own father perhaps, or anybody else actually intentionally try to help you become a man? Is that something you actually 
were thinking about when you were starting to become a teenager? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, I would say as a teenager, uh, not exactly. So, uh, you know, and it's not a simple answer to a, you know, not a simple question. Um, I would say, you know, I grew up, um, I think, kind of with what I would call kind of a, a characteristic baby boomer dad, you know, so he, um, he was really uh, I would say physically present in our home. He took very seriously his role as protector and provider for our family um, and did that really well. Uh, and at the same time, you know, in terms of what we would now call like, you know, emotional or relational presence in the home, um, that just, I think, wasn't something that that generation was really taught that they were supposed to do. You know, that wasn't really expected of men in that generation. And uh, and so I didn't get a lot of that from my dad, especially in those kind of crucial teenage years. Uh, fast forward a few years and, um, you know, kind of into my early 20s. And I think I started realizing like, I've, I've got kind of a like a vacuum here you know like there's some there's some empty spaces that really need filling as it related to some things that I felt like I probably didn't get from my dad and was becoming aware enough to know like here's here's what I didn't get and maybe what I still need and so uh, in my in my early 20s I would say I had some uh I, I sought out and was able to really find some good quality men who were able to kind of speak into me and help me to kind of you know develop and grow into the man that I knew that I wanted to be but just wasn't sure how to get there, you know, didn't have any real confidence uh, that I was there. So that's a, you know, that's a five cent version of a, uh, about a $10 story there. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, long story short, there is kind of like you were just saying, Brett, like, even if, you know, as we're talking about this conversation, and we're talking about boys in this kind of like transitional stage from boyhood to manhood, you know, while it's really critical to understand what that, you know, kind of period needs to look like in terms of advancing, even if your uh, son is older than that, or if you as a man are older than that and feel like, gosh, I don't know that I went through that season very well. Uh, I, I think that that's absolutely okay to be honest about and uh, and to acknowledge too that God as our father still longs to father us uh, in all those ways that we may have missed out on and, you know, some of those earlier seasons. So um, it's okay. Like if, if you don't get it exactly right as a dad or you, it wasn't done exactly right for you as a son, um, you know, all that can be recovered. But I think the point of this conversation is just to try to say like, let's try to do it as well as we can, you know, with our boys when they're kind of in the stage where they're developmentally really hungry for it. Let's specifically nail that down. When when is that time period? When is that stage? What age range are we talking about? And when did you as a father start thinking about what your sons would need as they started to get towards this age of transition to manhood? Yeah. So I think that this is really kind of around what I would call like the middle school age range. So we're talking about like 11 to 15, you know, kind of in that uh, sort of broad loose category there. Um, but I think that's really the age where, you know, puberty starting to kick in. Boys are getting out of the boyhood phase and really starting to crave a little bit more of, you know, the world of men. They're kind of naturally gravitating away from mom and a little more towards dad or at least towards more male peers uh, and, and trying to kind of figure out, you know, what does that world really look like? So I think it's, it's you know, it's at a time when those things are kind of happening naturally for most boys. And uh, I think that's where, you know, a dad can really begin to step in and and start to make that happen. I, I think for me, so I've got two sons who are, at, you know, at this point um, now 15 and 13. And uh, for me, I, you know, having this having been a, a really big part of my story, you know, as I kind of describe with my own relationship with my dad, um, with what that looked like for me kind of growing into young manhood, you know, when I was 
uh, blessed with sons, I, you know, I kind of knew from the beginning, like, okay, this is something that I really want to try to do well. And I kind of had that in the back of my mind for a long time, but it probably wasn't until they were about, I don't know, maybe uh, when my oldest was kind of like in the eight to 10 range, I started really thinking about, okay, I know this season is coming um, and I want to be prepared for it. I want to be ready to be able to offer him something. I didn't really know at that point in time what something was, uh, but I knew that, I, you know, I wanted to put some effort and intention into it and to be able to uh, make that a really meaningful season for him, for, for both of them, but, you know, pre preparing for my oldest first. It's interesting because I, I was actually looking at some photo albums somewhat recently, and there's a picture of me in, in the middle school years. I, I must have been in Oh, I guess probably seventh, maybe eighth grade. And I'm I'm dressed up in like a, a little boy's suit and tie giving a speech. And I'll, I, I remember distinctly the speech at my best friend's bar mitzvah, right? So I grew up outside of DC and there were a lot of Jews there. And I, I mean, most of my friends, it's crazy to kind of look back on and think about were, were Jewish. I attended a half dozen bar mitzvahs at least uh, when I was sort of in, in my middle school years. And, and at that time, I, even... Even as a 13-year-old boy, it sort of struck me like it's pretty cool that this whole culture has this whole ceremony and this, yeah. this rite of passage into manhood marked by this moment in time where these 13-year-old boys stand up in front of their peers and friends and family and, and do something right. to right. indicate that like I'm ready to start to become a man. And we don't have anything like that in our in our culture, just a no. traditional like Caucasian Christian culture. And so but it's cool to hear you say that you knew something needed to happen, right? Because if if we're yeah. not intentional about it, next thing you know, you blink, you wake up, and they're 18, and you hope you did a decent job, and they're ready for the world. Right. Let's talk about the intentionality then. So you said you weren't sure what. What did you figure out? Like, what what is it we need to be talking about? What does it mean to be intentional? What types of things need to be part of? are intentionally helping our young sons become men? Yeah, that's a great question. So I had to do a lot of, uh, you know, I'd call it research, but research could have looked as, you know, formal as doing some actual like reading and studying and as informal as just talking to other guys, you know, had, who had walked through the season with their sons, some of them who had done it well, some of them who would say that they didn't do it well. Um, but just, you know, just trying to learn and listen and and figure out from other men, you know, uh, what's worked and what's not worked. And, and you kind of mentioned like, you know, we can still see that in the Jewish community today, but really like, as I did some reading, like it's it's kind of been almost universal throughout history and most cultures that there has been some kind of uh, formal or either like informal but recognized uh, rite of passage for boys in you know like I said in almost every culture. And so that's where I kind of began to realize like okay there there are some elements here that do need to happen. So for me, what I, I kind of boiled it down to to three things that I think need to take place in terms of you know helping your son become a man. So the first one is really that you need to give your son a clear vision of what it means to be a man. The second is that you need to give him opportunities to actually practice being a man. And then the third is that he needs a dedicated season to advance from boyhood to manhood. So, you know, the, the tricky thing about our culture kind of in our like, you know, postmodern moment in Western society, and this is, this is definitely true in America, but, you know, this would be true in, in pretty much all Western countries at this point is that really since about the Industrial Revolution, like a lot of those things uh, just aren't happening naturally in our society the way that they once did. 
And so because they're not happening happening naturally, uh, that's where I really feel like dads have to kind of step in and be more intentional to say, okay, there's not just going to be a period where, uh, you know, my boy is going to be kind of formally recognized by the community around him as belonging as a man. Um, and even, you know, at our kind of present moment where things have gotten so confusing culturally in terms of gender, um, it's just not easy anymore for a boy to be able to look around the culture and say, what is a man and have a clear idea of what that is. You know, it, it's super confusing at the moment um, for this, you know, for this younger generation in particular, uh, you ask 10 different people, you know, what they think a man is or is supposed to be, and you're going to get 15 different definitions. You know, <laughs> it's just, it is really, really confusing. And so that's where as dads, you know, I think we do have to kind of jump in and, and try to really offer some intentional direction um, with, with each of those things, a, a vision of what it means to be a man, opportunities to practice being a man, and then dedicated season to advance from boyhood to manhood. Well, I love that. And I don't know how many uh, of these three we'll be able to tackle or how deep we'll be able to go into each of the three. But let's start with the vision of manhood, because I think what you said is is crucially important, right? If if we don't help define for our children what it means to be a man, society most certainly will. Right. But it does beg the question, is there sort of an objective, true definition Or is it really incumbent upon each father to sort of define for himself and his son what he thinks it means to be a man? Are there concrete pillars that we could say are true for everyone or not? I I had a conversation somewhat recently with my 13-year-old Jackson, and I was just – I don't even remember what it is I said at the time. Something like, well – it's important that you do such and such because when you're a man, that's like what you do. It might have even been something about how you treat women or whatever. And I remember he 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 pushed back. He goes, well, like, who says? Yeah. I was like, well, it's, it's kind of a good point. Like, well, it's yeah. just what men do. Like, men open door for women. Well, well why? You know? Why? And, yeah. and I don't even remember if that, that was rule. the example, yeah. but it was kind of like – well, it's because that's what my dad taught me, I guess. I don't know. It just yeah. seems right. Like, but but how do I know? And if I'm gonna try to teach him this is what you need to do to be a man, why do I think that? Why do I believe that? Where does that belief come from? And are there some universal truths around manhood? I know you you have some five pillars that that you can get into, but how would you guys both answer that, Perry? I'm curious how you how you would think about that as well. Yeah, that's a tough one because I you know, on, on either extreme, you know, you can go off the rails, you know, if you can say, well, um, it's just each, it's up to each one of us individually. Well, what if some guy believes that being a man means, you know, whatever this extreme thing is and, and we go, no, that's not it at all. Right. You know? Um, but I think we can just, we can look to what we know of the Lord, what we see in scripture, you know, who is God, the father. I think we can look at, okay, what are the attributes of, of God, the father? There's not, a, there's not a Bible verse that specifically says, okay, these are the things that make up a man X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, right? It's not, it's just not like, okay, we're going to turn to, uh, you know, second Corinthians, you know, whatever. No, it's not like that. So we have to take the whole of scripture we have to take the whole of our experience and relationship with God, the father who has been fathering us through our own journey through this, you know, time on earth, take all of those collective things 
and then try to one, absorb it and understand it. And then two, translate it, you know, for our sons. So I think that's where some of the gray comes in. I certainly don't believe it's, oh yeah, just whatever each individual person says it is. I think that's a, that's a giant lie that is just permeating our culture, you know, at this time. Well, what is a woman? Have you ever, have y'all, I don't know if y'all have seen that documentary or not, but you know, it's just, well, a woman is whoever feels like a woman. Well, what is a woman? You know, it's just whatever you feel like. No, it's not whatever you feel like. There's, there's clear definitions to what a woman is and a man is biologically. And then I also believe there's clear definitions as to what are the roles um, of a man and a woman. And, and the role of a man is often what helps me translate that for my sons that are growing, growing into manhood. You know, this, this is what a man does. And that's what you were talking about, you know, Brett also. So uh, I think it's a combination of, of all those things. Um, but ultimately we can surround ourselves with other men who have a grasp on what God says is the definition of a man through experience and through the scriptures. And I think that helps us get to that place too. And Don, I know you've given a lot of thought to this and you've even codified it a little bit in your program, not a little bit, a lot, and talk about it a little bit on your website. So I'll I'll let you maybe drill into some of the the five marks of manhood and and anything you want to explore in answer to this in question. Cause I think Perry, you're exactly right. We can't moral relativism, just relativism in, in general, isn't the answer. So what what is the answer? What what can we look at? What can we strive to be as men ourselves? And what do we point our sons to when it comes to the marks of manhood? So yeah, this is this is such a good question, and just really, I'm, you know, it has it is a foundational question that I think uh, because we, you know, in our culture for the past like couple centuries, we've mostly been able to assume a lot of the foundations, and it's only really in the last generation or so that that foundation is kind of eroded, and so now we're having to kind of go back and recover. Like, well, okay, we haven't been paying attention to the foundation very much, but now we really need to. So let's go back and let's let's pay attention to this kind of foundational question. And Perry, I think you touched on just some really really good things there. Um, but Brett, I love the way that you ask it in terms of like, you know, is there really kind of like a universal idea of manhood or is it more relativistic and how do we do it? And, you know, as I really tried to do some research on it, what what I came up with in terms of an answer to that question is, you know, uh, which is both helpful and not helpful. It's like, yes and no. <laughs> you know, the answer <laughs> is yes and no. When it comes to, here's what I mean by that. When it comes to what it means to be a man, just a, just in general, a man, I do actually think there's some fairly universal truth to that. You know, as you look across history and culture in almost every place and in every time, there are some traits that tend to be kind of clustered around what it has always meant to be a man in just about any place and time. Um, and, you know, that's kind of as it should be. I mean, as you think about it, you know, like if 50% of the world's population throughout history is male, you know, it probably shouldn't be that hard for us to figure out what it means to be a man, right? You know, <laughs> most of us need to get there. So, uh, you know, it, it really shouldn't be as complex as I think we're making it in our yeah. culture today. It ought to be fairly simple to, to achieve manhood. But then when I think you, what, where I think um, things get more complicated and even where I think the church has really struggled, is uh, I do think it becomes more relative when you're asking the question, what does it mean to be a good man? Mm. And those are two really different things, right? So um, you can be a bad man 
and your manhood not be in question, right? You can you can be a thug, you can be a criminal, you can be a murderer, and nobody's necessarily going to question that you're a man. But the way you're living out your manhood is not something that people would be considered, you know, would consider to be good. Uh, and so I think that's really where we start to kind of draw the line in terms of like where societies and cultures, you know, at different places in time have kind of held up different standards for what it means to be a good man. And that those are the things that we need to pay attention to there. So Brett, you kind of highlighted, I've got these things that I call the five marks of manhood. And these are the things that I think every man needs to exhibit in terms of what it means to just be a man. They are base level. They are morally neutral. You know, these things don't make you a good man. They just make you a man. This is what, you know, all men have lived out almost in every place and every time. Those five things are strength, courage, skill, honor, and allegiance. So I'll say them again, strength, courage, skill, honor, and allegiance. So those five things kind of taken together as a group, when you kind of cluster them together like that, uh, men, you know, men who are living as men tend to live those things out wherever they are and whatever they're doing. Um, and I'll run through them just kind of real quickly for, you know, sake of definition to just kind of give some context to what we're talking about there. Most of them are pretty obvious and straightforward, right? Strength. Uh, we're mostly talking about physical strength here. Men's bodies are built for strength. That's just how God has designed us. That's, you know, even if you don't believe in God, you can look biologically and just tell men's bodies are meant for strength. That is part of how we are meant to show up in the world and what we're meant to offer. Uh, and, you know, it's not too hard to figure that one out. I also think that that tends to be kind of the foundational mark of manhood. So really, as a man, strength is sort of the baseline that all the other marks of manhood kind of flow out of. So it's from this perspective of strength that we learn to other offer things uh, to offer other things like courage and skill. You know, courage just being this idea of uh, we need to try to we need to learn to face and overcome our fears. Courage doesn't mean which is you know kind of I think the idea that shows up in a lot of the like bro or machismo culture, you know, right now, uh, kind of this idea that you don't have any fears, you know, that's, that's just not humanly possible. You know, fear is just a standard baseline human emotion. There is no human that doesn't experience fear, or if they do, you know, we would rightfully say that they are dealing with some kind of, uh, you know, cognitive impairment. You know, there, there's something actually psychologically or biologically uh, not healthy with them if they're not experiencing fear. So courage is really being able to say, what are my fears? How can I move towards them and seek to overcome them? Um, and men primarily do that out of a place of strength, you know, learning over time to be able to say, I, I do have something to offer here. I have some ability to be able to step into this situation that's either dangerous or unknown or uncertain, and, uh, and I can figure something out. Um, skill kind of, you know, in the same way, learning to be able to, a lot of times for men, learning to be able to use our bodies to master some kind of skill, to be able to use it to the benefit for ourselves and for others, you know, in the community around us. Um, again, you know, pretty baseline, pretty, pretty basic. So I would say those three things, strength, courage, and skill are kind of what I call the individual marks of manhood, meaning that as a man, you can kind of advance in these things on your own and by your own effort, you know, regardless of what's going on uh, in and around you, uh, you know, you can you can work on those things by yourself as a man. But the other two things, honor and allegiance, are inherently relational traits. You have to learn to be able to exist in community to develop both honor and allegiance. And I think it's these two things that really begin to delineate and set apart what it means in different cultures to be a good man. So what you're choosing to honor 
and what you're choosing to give your allegiance to are help going to or what are going to define, you know, what does it mean to be good? So let's take honor, for example. Honor in uh, in our society today, we kind of use the word honor a little bit loosely uh, to to more kind of refer to an idea of something like integrity. You know, we we talk about honor as if it's like this is a man who's upstanding. He has good character. He makes good choices. Uh, you know, like we would see him as a man who's who's worthy of emulating, and all of that's good. But the the older and I think kind of truer definition of honor that I tend to use is more about like doing right by your peers. So it really is about like peer relationships and saying, I've got a group of men around me and I am worthy of their honor because I am upholding kind of the shared values that we have as a group. Now, again, honor, like the other marks of manhood, is a morally neutral trait, right? So this is where, especially for our sons, it becomes really important to begin talking about who you choose as your friends. If I choose to be around a good group of men, they are going to help uphold virtues and principles in life that we're going to call good. And if they are honoring me for upholding those things, then not only do I have honor in their eyes, which makes me manly, but I'm also living a good life alongside that. I'm being honored for making good choices. You can be honored for making bad choices if that's what the group of guys you hang around with tends to think is honorable. Uh, you know, we, we kind of use the phrase, there's honor among thieves. Uh, and that's the idea, right? Like thieves aren't making the best choices, but they can still honor each other because they're kind of holding to this, you know, thieves code or whatever. Um, so that's the idea with honor. The same thing goes true for allegiance. You know, we're talking about how you follow the authority figures in your life, whether that's a, a you know a parent, a teacher, uh, a coach, a boss, a mentor, a whoever, or even just kind of you know at an ultimate level of allegiance, you know the God who you're choosing to follow and the way that you're doing that. So again, all of those things help kind of help highlight you know what choices am I making that define what it means to be a man, but then also like how, who I choose to honor and who I choose to give my allegiance to is going to dictate it whether or not I'm a good man. I love those last two points, right? I think everything you said was spot on. I like how you framed this idea of honor and allegiance. And to me, even just hearing you talk about this, this opens up the idea that giving our sons an opportunity to practice things like honor and allegiance requires them to be in community with their peers. So it's yeah. not just me, the father, teaching my son how to be a man because that's only a one directional that's right. relationship. And the other thing that's interesting and challenging about this whole process, and this is me speaking from my experience and trying to go through this with my oldest son and, and now even starting to do it with my 11-year-old is at this exact time that we're trying to be more intentional in having relationship with our sons and, and leading them and guiding them and giving them opportunity to practice and speaking into their lives, they're entering into a season biologically <laughs> where yeah. they're naturally inclined to push us away. Yeah. Does it make yeah. sense? Like, how do we hold oh, those yeah. two things in balance? I, I was listening to a, a, a different podcast talking about a similar, a similar topic. And they were exploring this, this person's book called your teenager isn't crazy. And they were talking about sort of the brain <laughs> biology of what's literally going on in a teenager. And, and the host said something that really, that really hit home. He goes, man, when my kids were like toddlers, like preteens, I was killing it as a father. Like I was father of the year. It was so easy to do things with them. And all of a sudden I feel like a complete failure now that they've turned into a teenager. It's like, why? Because 
they don't want to have deep open conversations with us. They don't want to like bear their soul anymore. They don't even necessarily always want to hang out with us. And so, so how do we hold these two things in balance? That's I'll do less talking and, and throw it to you guys to explore that a little bit more. How do we hold those things in balance and how do we help our sons ha- have the relational opportunities to practice some of the things that you're talking about, specifically the honor and allegiance pieces? Yeah. That's great. Uh, yeah. So I'll throw out a couple ideas. One, just kind of at a very simple level. One of the things that I do for, you know, kind of that like second point that I talked about, you got to give your son opportunities to practice being a man. So I take those five marks of manhood and I just, I, I create what we uh, have lovingly in our family called manhood challenges. So we'll just, you know, we'll take one of those marks of manhood and just say, this is a place where we feel like we need to get better as men. We need to get better at strength. We need to get better at a particular skill, you know, whatever. And we'll design a challenge around it. So uh, we did one uh, not too long ago with one of my sons uh, who was really wanting to gain some strength. And so we created a, a strength challenge around the monkey bars. So, you know, it's kind of like, hey, we got a playground nearby. We can go like take advantage of the monkey bars. But he just, you know, kind of felt like that was a place where he was weak and sort of knew it and was a little embarrassed by it. And so we wanted to get better at that. So, you know, we would go two, three times a week to the to the playground, uh, jump on the monkey bars and just try to get better at what we could do excuse me, what we could do on the monkey bars over the course of like a month, you know, so let's, Hey, let's figure out where we're starting. Let's keep practicing it a few times every week. And in a month, let's see what kind of progress we can make, you know, and, and, and both of us able to make some good progress just because we were doing it regularly. Um, So I think something like that, like, you know, just kind of those simple opportunities to face a challenge, overcome it, like at this stage in a, in a, in a boy's life where he's beginning to advance into manhood, this is so critical because it helps him begin to develop that sort of settled confidence that he's going to need as a man, which is where he kind of comes to the place. You know, you, you mentioned John Eldridge earlier. I think John Eldridge was probably most famous for being the guy who talks about the idea that every man wants to know that he has what it takes. That's right. And, and that's where, uh, you know, a boy at this age is really beginning to question that about himself and try to figure out, you know, how to develop that. And he develops it by just facing a bunch of challenges and overcoming them, you know, by actually seeing that, oh, I do have what it takes. And that doesn't mean that I'm going to succeed at everything that I try, but it means that when I show up to something I don't know how to do, I at least have some confidence that I can, I can try something. I can offer something. Um, And, and if I don't get it right, I know how to kind of like, you know, redo or retweak or whatever to be able to, to make some forward progress. So any of those kind of manhood challenge ideas, you know, again, you just build it around a a mark of manhood and kind of come up with something there. So let me jump in right there really quick and add a little bit to that. I love it. That's amazing. Um, I just want to tease that out for a quick second. So two things that I'm hearing in that is one We've got to spend time with our kids. I just feel like we can't stress that enough. Time with the kids, time with the kids, time with them, time with them is such an important reality of pouring into that. We live in a society and a culture where time with your kids is not necessarily built as a norm. You know, I mean, if they, if they go to school all day and, you know, and a typical man might be at work nine to five, the kids have homework and they also have activities and they have all these things. Right. And so our culture and our society isn't really promoting a time, you know, uh, men spending a lot of quality time with their kids. And so we as intentional fathers have to make sure that we're doing that. So I just wanted to point that out as an underlying principle of that specific example that you gave. It's qual- It's time with kids. That has to be a major uh, intentionality of how we're doing fatherhood. And then the second thing I want to 
uh, make note of your example is that you did something that your son was interested in. Now we can't just let our kids call all the shots because then we might be going (laughs) for cake and ice cream every day. You know, like there has to be some discernment from us as the father, right? But you can't also just pick something that your kid has no interest in and go, hey, you need to learn this, son, because I say it's important, right? Right. You have to know what the end result is and know what the big picture is and take that knowledge and then weave that into something that your kid is going to be interested in. And so I want to just, you know, not let that gloss over. I want to dig a little bit deeper into that example. And I think a beautiful example, uh, but time with our kids and then doing something that they're actually interested in both. If you can operate under those two principles, then you're, you're getting, you're ahead of the, you know, ahead of the game in that arena. Yeah, I agree. I think that's fantastic. That's a really good point. And I think too, uh, Brett, you know, kind of to your question about like, you know, what about when they're kind of hitting the age where they don't want to spend time with you? <laughs> you know, like, what do, what do you do there? Um, and so, you know, I, I think there's a couple things to say there. One, um, you know, do it anyway. Like, so, you know, sometimes they're not going to want to spend time with you, or at least they're going to present to you like they don't want to spend time with you because that's what they think they're supposed to be acting like. Uh, but, you know, at some level on the inside, they really do. And they're grateful for the fact that you're continuing to pursue them. So, you know, push through the rolled eyes and the attitudes and the yeah. uh, you're doing too much, you know, kind of stuff. And uh, just get to the place, you know, of saying, hey, we're going to do this anyway. Um, they're they're going to be grateful for it. If not today, you know, maybe years in the future, but push past that a little bit. But the second thing to that point, uh, you know, of like, what do you do when they're getting to the age where they're just not as interested in in connecting with their parents and they're far more interested in connecting with their peers? Um, I do think that's actually a really important part of this stage of advancing into manhood. Um, and it's actually something I've kind of built into the rite of passage program that we use is that we don't do it as just a, you know, you dad with your one son. We do it as a group of dads and a group of sons together, because I think there is something both really powerful about being initiated into a community of men that you know, as a boy, you're being invited into the community of manhood. You're not just kind of being dubbed as a man by your dad you know, and kind of this like one-off ceremony sort of thing. Um, But you have other men around you who are seeing you and inviting you into their midst. But I think also, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that uh, it just works a lot better when these boys have their peers around them to be able to do this with, you know, Um, when they just have some buddies. Uh, And, and, you know, that's true for us as grown men as well. Like we're just, we're more comfortable when when we're, you know, in the midst of a group of friends. And uh, I, I think if you can be able to build some of these, uh, whether it's a, you know, a specific like honor challenge that might be about like doing something with a friend, um, or if it's just to build a challenge, uh, you know, that, that you do it with somebody else. Uh, either way, I think those things can be really good. I think they can be really good for us as dads as well, because, you know, one of the biggest challenges that men in our culture are facing right now is just a lack of real male friendship. You know, the loneliness epidemic is a real thing. Um, it's it's impacting men like crazy. And so, you know, honor is something that I think most men in our culture are lacking in because for the most part, we're lacking friends. We don't have a group of men to develop honor with. Uh, so, you know, so to the extent that you can like help your son 
be challenged in this area. This is a great way to challenge you as well. You know, find a find a, another dad who's got a son your son's age and and do something, you know, the four of you together and uh, and make that an honor challenge for, you know, both you and your son to figure out how you develop those things. So, uh yeah, lots of opportunity there, but I think just a real necessity to um, include your son's peers in the ways that you help him develop as a man. Yeah, that's amazing. And uh, another thought that came to mind while you're talking about that is it's okay to acknowledge and accept that transition from wanting to hang out, you know, a son wanting to hang out with his parents or his father a lot, and then transitioning to wanting to hang out with peers. Like you said, that's part of the manhood, you know, transition and growth and journey. I think where we can come in as fathers, like you said, and, and, and incorporate other men into that, we can also come in as a dad and, and be strategic and have some talking points around that, you know, with our son. Hey, son, I know you're going to go hang out with your friends today. Let's let's talk about honor. Let's talk about um, strength. Let's talk about this. You know, how with your group of friends, can you stand up for what's right? How can you within your group of friends? And so you can almost pre-frame that for your son a little bit before they're going to go out with their friends. And then you can also come back and do a little debrief afterwards when they get, you know, get back. Hey son, you know, how did you encounter any of the pillars of manhood when you were out with your friends, you know, and yeah, you know, just, just being intentional about talking about those things as they're happening versus thinking, okay, my son has to come with me to do manhood development. No, we can just be the forethought and the debrief you know, on the, on either side of an experience where they are hanging out with their peers. Yeah, that's right. That's great. We do that even with uh, like, we do it with uh, movie nights in our house, you know, we'll watch a movie together and just kind of talk about like, all right, what of the marks of manhood did you see in this, in this movie? You know, like what, what, you know, what male character did you really like? What did you not like? You know, and we'll just kind of talk about those things. And it is, it's a great way to just have kind of some of those conversations when it's not like heat of the moment, you know, or in the midst of like, I'm trying to grow this in you right now. Um, But it just kind of becomes like, let me build this into the world that they're thinking about regularly yeah. so that when they're encountering it, uh, they know what to look for. You just said something right there that I think is interesting. So the, this is terminology that your sons are aware of as well. Like you've actually sat down with them and said, hey, son, here are the five pillars of manhood. Yeah. And so they know the words so you can point to it and say, hey, son, here's an opportunity for you to exhibit some courage. Yeah. You know, not just like, you have to go down to collect the eggs after dark when coyotes are <laughs> echoing through the hills. But like, here's a moral courage issue. Here's something that's yeah. happening at school. Here's really an opportunity for you to take a stand. And I know your friends might call you a snitch, but here's why it takes courage to do the right thing yeah. in this situation and blah, 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 blah. So that you're all speaking the same vernacular as a family and I think that's huge. That's that's really convicting to me is, okay, I think I need to be even more intentional and sit down and frame some of this with, with my sons as well and drill down into each of these areas. What are some other challenges? You know, I, I'm, I, th- I think this is really practical, really good stuff. I mean, you had talked about uh, feeding off of something that your son had expressed some concern around. And so you're helping to to grow him in that area. Are there other challenges that maybe you're just flat out intentional about that? Hey, here's a challenge, son, we're going to do maybe spiritually, for example, maybe you can speak to the spiritual piece 
I guess that would fall under allegiance. Like what, what should we be doing with our sons and what are some challenges in that area that maybe, maybe men can take and run with? Yeah, no, that's great. I, um, I, I love that question. And yeah, I, I do think there is a time and a place for saying like, uh, Hey, as your dad, here's something that I see coming on the horizon that I know you're going to need to develop. And so let's work on a challenge in this area, even though it may not really be on your radar yet. You know, I, I know that this is coming, so let's work on it. And allegiance is a great one of those. I, you know, I think, uh, with my boys, I both have tried to help them do some allegiance challenges where they have tried to, um, I, I call it, you know, developing a, a, a daily reunion time. People call it a daily quiet time or devotional time or whatever. Um, but just something that helps them be able to connect themselves to the heart of God. Uh, you know, what are they doing to be able to grow their union, their relationship with Jesus? And, uh, you know, so we'll just say like, hey, for the next like, you know, two weeks, um, let's talk about how you can develop, you know, a, a habit of five minutes, 10 minutes, you know, this time of day where you're doing something that's helping you connect to God. What would that be? How do we do it? And then let's track like how many of those 14 days were you successful on it? You know, like we, we kind of talk about those things. So it's almost like a goal setting kind of thing. Um, but, you know, it's with a it's it's with the purpose of saying this is helping me to develop as a man. And especially, you know, in that area of ultimate allegiance, if I really am going to say that my allegiance is to Jesus, what am I doing to show that? You know, how am I actually showing that that's where my allegiance is and that I'm trying to pattern my life after his? So, you know, we just, we do some things like that. Um, some other things, you know, maybe like I, I would, I'd call them uh, less, you know, overtly spiritual, um, but I do think they are for the sake of developing kind of like spiritual character. So like one of my sons, um, I've had him do a couple uh, courage challenges. I think he would say that tends to be the one that he struggles with the most. Um, but so we would do some things like uh, he really like, you know, is at a place where it still kind of has a hard time, like going up to an adult without one of his parents present and being able to ask questions or ask for help. So even if it's something like, hey, we're at a restaurant and the waiter got something wrong with his meal, like going back up to the counter and asking for, you know, whatever he needed or, uh, you know, we need the check. And so like asking the waiter for the, just different things like that, you know, like a little, small little courage challenge. But it's like, hey, this is this is when things are low stakes. You know, there's there's really nothing at risk here if he fails at the moment. But if he gets to adulthood and he still can't do those things, then yeah, some things are like the stakes are a lot higher. You know, he needs a great deal more courage than that uh, by the time he gets to adulthood. So just being able to see some of those things and couching it in the terms of like, this is a courage challenge. This is helping you grow as a man. That tends to go over a lot better than just, son, you need to do this because I'm your dad and I'm telling you to. And, you know, this is what men need to be able to do. Like, rarely do, do my sons respond well to that, you know, but when it becomes a challenge for them, uh, you know, then it's something that they can get motivated to. Uh, my other son um, tends to, I think he would probably say that allegiance is his, you know, is his weak point when it comes to the marks of manhood. That's probably my weak point as well. So, you know, he's the son that the apple didn't fall too far from the tree on that one. But uh, so, you know, we work with him on things like showing allegiance to his teachers. You know, if he's got a teacher where he's being disruptive or disrespectful in class or his grades are slipping, you know, what does allegiance look like? How can you reassure that teacher that you want to follow him or her in that classroom setting? You know, hey, I've got to go have a conversation with this teacher to say, I need some help with my grades. Can we make a plan for how I'm going to do that? And I really want to do a better job of respecting you and paying attention in your class. What do we need to do to make that happen? You know, 
great ways of being able to show allegiance that again, while the stakes are pretty low, um, but man, if he can learn how to do that with a teacher, that's going to pay infinite dividends for him. If he can do that with a, with a boss, you know, in the future in a job setting. So, um, you know, those kinds of things. And that's the important thing to recognize is that we as fathers know a future that our sons can't, can't even relate to yet. So often, yeah. I find myself trying to say, well, you, you like you will understand someday. Well, but I don't need it now, but I as your father know that it's coming. And so you're just going to have to trust me a little bit in this as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. How have your sons received this? Yeah. I, I mean, when you first sort of came to them with these these five pillars of manhood and here's what we're going to do. And we're going to start doing challenges. And were they open to that idea? Are they excited about it? Do they roll their eyes when you say, Hey son, this is a chance for you to show courage. Go (laughs) ask the waitress to fix your order. Or are they generally receptive? Like how do you navigate that? And perhaps it's even different for your 15 year old versus your 13 year old. Yeah. Um, I would say for the most part, they're receptive. And I think it's because we've been talking about it for long enough that they kind of know and understand. Now, you know, do I get some eye rolls every once in a while? Of course, you know, they're teenagers. That's to be expected. And again, like some of that, you just got to push past. And then some of that as a dad, I have to kind of, you know, have the sensitivity to go like, all right, maybe right now isn't the right time to push on this, you know? Um, So, you know, there's just a balance there in terms of being a good parent. Um, But I think really what has kind of uh, helped it come together for both of my boys is uh, it kind of goes along with that third point that I talked about, which is that they need a dedicated season to advance from boyhood to manhood. So for both of my boys, I have walked them through a, uh, a rite of passage that I've developed that's called called First Tribe. And it is really about, you know, kind of what I mentioned, it's a group of dads and sons together who are trying to usher their boys into young manhood. And we do a whole lot that's built around these five marks of manhood, but we do more than that as well. We try to ask some really big questions about like, who am I? You know, what's my identity all about as a man? Uh, Who is God? And, you know, what is the world like because of who he is? Um, Do I have what it takes? You know, can I, can I show up in the world as a man? What am I meant for? What are, some of my purposes uh, in life as a man. And so we try to answer these big questions and we do it a lot with those five marks of manhood through the course of this rite of passage season. And I think that's what's really important about it is that, you know, for both of these guys, it took about nine months to go through this uh, rite of passage thing. It's it That's not as in depth as it sounds. That's like a once a month kind of meeting and then some, you know, manhood challenges or things like that in between. Um, but because it's a season, uh, it really starts to sink in during that time period. You know, it's no longer just kind of like, these are these like one-off, you know, kind of fun, sometimes silly, sometimes hard things that I'm doing with my dad. Uh, you know, this is like, oh, this is a part of the bigger picture of life. And they start to kind of get it during that season. I think that's why that's, it's really valuable to do this kind of rite of passage thing over the course of a season instead of as just like a ceremony, like the ceremony is great. And we do a ceremony, you know, kind of at the end of our rite of passage. Um, but I think a lot of guys, especially in the church world, I have seen kind of go after this, like, you know, one-time ceremony where it's like, we do this big uh, weekend together and there's a, you know, kind of special event. There's real power in that. And I wouldn't say like, 
if you have done that or, you know, seen somebody do that, I wouldn't say don't do that. Um, I would just say, I think what your boy is going to need more of is an opportunity to feel like he has actually demonstrated the things that you are telling him in that ceremony that he is worthy of and that he's earned. You know, he, he needs to know over the course of this season, um, I've actually kind of demonstrated that. And these men are inviting me into their community because they see in me that I belong there, you know, that, that I've, that I've been made worthy of that. Um, so yeah, so I, I think that's where it all really kind of finally, uh, I won't say finally, but I think like maybe more formally began to sink in for them that kind of like, Oh, th- like this is important, not just because my dad is saying so, but because this is what life as a man is really all about. And, you know, the more that I can like challenge myself to live that out, the better that I'm going to do at life, uh, that helps now, not, not perfectly, <laughs> but it helps, you know, like, they're still teenagers. And the other thing that this does is it establishes relationship with you and it embeds in our son's minds this idea that my dad is there for me so that when they're 25 and something comes up in life, they'll want to come to us and sort of, hey, how do I, how do I navigate this? What do, I, what do I do with that? And to me, that's really in the back of my mind is, yeah, I want to initiate them well when they're 13, 14, 15 but in such a way that I'm still a part of their lives in their 20s and their 30s and even their 40s because as a 45-year-old man myself, I certainly don't have it all figured out either. And I encounter things every day in business and life and ethics and things that I encounter with peers that it's like, oh, how like how should I as a man handle this, navigate this, et cetera? And so wanting our sons to, to still hopefully have that relationship yeah, with us absolutely. to explore some of those things. Yeah. And that's a big part of why I not only developed it for my sons, but then kind of decided like, Hey, I think this could be helpful for other dads as well. Cause I think you're exactly right, Brett. And I think there's a lot of dads, especially within the faith-based community who are looking at their sons and saying, that's the end goal. And I know it, like, I know that I want to be able to preserve my relationship with my son so that when he gets to adulthood, we have this, you know, mutual respect and friendship that can continue to be fruitful and developed over the course of the rest of our lives. You know, cause you're likely going to have a relationship with your son as an adult, you know, with him as an adult for a lot longer than you do with him as a kid. So you want that to still be fruitful and good. But I think most dads look at that and go, how the heck do I do that? <laughs> you know, like, especially when they start to get to the teenage years, like how on earth do I navigate this in a way that, you know, allows me to get to that place? Because what I've tried in the past really isn't working, you know, like it used to. And I don't know what else, what other tools I've got in my toolbox to be able to make this work. So that's really part of the idea behind this rite of passage program is to be able to kind of give guys a playbook, you know, just to be able to say, here is a way to do this. It's not, it doesn't have to be the definitive way. Um, but it is a good way to really kind of cement your relationship with your adolescent son uh, and to give you some context to be able to relate to him around his world and around your world as a man um, so that you can continue to kind of preserve and protect that relationship over the course of the teenage years. Well, there is a lot here. I think we have unpacked a lot. There's a lot that certainly has gotten my wheel spinning. Your program, First Tribe, is incredible. I will post a link in the show notes below. Men, if you are looking for a structured program that you can use to help give some framework to everything we're talking about, take some of the guesswork out of what you're doing with your sons as you're initiating them into manhood, certainly click on that link. Check out that. 
Um, Perry, I'll let you sort of share some final thoughts as well, but I'll put you on the, on the spot, Don, with a question that I asked Perry, Perry and I explored on an episode, a handful of, an, of episodes ago, which is when's the first time you felt like a man yourself, <laughs> you know, this, this idea of like, do we ever actually arrive? I mean, is there an end date to your program, for example? Like at what point do you look at your son and say, okay, son, you are a man, but but that journey never really ends. I think we're always trying to figure out our role as a man. But I'm curious the first time that maybe as you look back on your your young adolescence, the first time you really felt like a man, does anything come to mind for you? Uh, yeah, it does. I, I think I kind of had that feeling in my, I would say, early to mid-20s. So probably 23, 24 for me when I think I finally felt like I understand what it means to be a man, and I actually believe that I am one. Uh, you know, it's probably not long before that that I started really kind of being aware of the question of what is a man, and I don't even know if I if I meet the definition or the requirements. You know, like I, I don't know how would I know if I did. Uh, and so, you know, I think it was you know kind of like I talked about through a series of just working with some really solid men in my life at that point in that stage. Uh, they actually challenged me in some things as well. You know, I didn't know to call it manhood challenges at that point. In my life, but uh, but they actually challenged me in some things to face some fears, to overcome some things, and I think by beginning to develop that, you know, that settled confidence of yes, I have what it takes. I, I do think uh, I think Eldridge hit the nail on the head with that one. I think that is the essence of manhood that we when we kind of arrive at that place of settled confidence that says. I don't know how to tackle everything in the world, but I feel pretty confident that with just about any challenge, I can show up and offer something. Uh, that's I think that is the essence of what manhood is all about. And it, yeah, it was probably in my like you know early to mid twenties when I think I kind of finally got to that place. And I think I'll add this in the mix. You know that answering that question of do I have what it takes. I'll share, I think I've shared it on the podcast before, but it might've been a long time ago. One of the things I've done with my kids, uh, sons and my daughter, because she needs to know that she's got what it takes as well. But one of the things I've done with them since they were very little is I always spoke that truth over their lives. You know, I might catch them doing something awesome, you know, um, riding a sick little wheelie on their, on their bike. I'd be like, Oh, but what's great. You got I might catch them doing something of really high character, you know, being kind to one of their siblings, you know, and showing compassion on a sibling. But you got what it takes, you know. I just, I literally use that phrase in my kids' lives absolutely as much as possible, whether it is overcoming an emotional challenge, whether it is sharing something, you know, my a teenage, my teenage son sharing something vulnerable with me on a, on a, car ride. I'm like, bud, thank you for sharing that with me. Thank you for being vulnerable with me, man. You got what it takes, bud. You know, whether it be, uh, you know, just whatever, trying, trying, you know, all the things, um, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, anytime I catch them doing something right. Um, I throw that phrase right in their ear because I want that to be the voice that revolves in their head as they, as they go through life. So, um, that's a fun little thing about, about me and our family that, that I've been doing for a long time. And I, I love that phrase. It really resonates. It resonates a lot with me and, and this, you know, concept of transitioning and journeying to manhood. So thanks for, thanks for bringing that up. It's a, it's a cool thing. That's awesome. Way to go, dad. Good one. Thanks. <laughs> well, Don, we thank you for your time this morning. Thank you for the, the work and effort you have put into giving words 
and structure to a difficult and somewhat esoteric concept going all the way back to what we talked about at the very beginning. I think for a lot of men, myself included, we have a loose idea in our own mind of what we think being a man is, but it's sometimes very helpful, not sometimes, it is incredibly helpful to have somebody who can put into words and and point to five pillars in this case that we can look at and say, yeah, this is something worthy of striving for. Yes, I can see how these are elements that will be crucial to living a good life, a fruitful life, a meaningful life, showing up well in the world as a man, a world that is very, very in need right now of strong men, of good character, doing good things in the world. And so again, thank you for putting all of the work and time and thought that you have into it and for sharing some of what you have learned and some very strategic and and tangible how-to, some practical challenges that we can implement in our lives and the lives of our kids. So appreciate you this morning. It's my pleasure. Uh, It's a real privilege to get to chat with you guys about it. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Cool. Well, with that, we will sign off on this episode of the Faithful Fatherhood podcast and come back with you soon, as always, with more great conversations as we continue to explore what it means to be a faithful father. Have a great week, everyone, and we will talk with you again soon. Take care.